And welcome to the third segment this day of the PBL podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Went a little long in the last segment, but I wanted to get to this information today because there's an article that I'm going to read for you, to you in a little bit regarding the coronavirus, COVID-19, Chinese virus, Wuhan virus, whatever you want to call this, scamdemic, as I've called it in the past, that's just going to make your blood boil. But a couple of other things about coronavirus too and how the media reports it and what's going on uh you know how this is being communicated to you and what those quote unquote experts are saying so let's get right to it again this is the pbl podcast politics and brown liquor i'm your host e vander vliet please visit us on our website the pblpodcast.com all of our social media links are there and for whatever platform you're listening to this on please like share follow subscribe and rate this podcast to help us move up in the algorithms. Uh, the Hill is just, sometimes they get a story right. Sometimes, well, they actually rarely get a story right because they so are far to the left and the reporting is so way off base. Uh, but sometimes the stories are okay, but this one is just mind-numbingly bad. Uh, here's the headline. Sturgis Motorcycle Rally was super spreading event that cost public health $12.2 billion analysis. So the Hill is suggesting that the motorcycle rally that happened uh, in South Dakota last month was a coronavirus super spreading event that again led to an estimated $12.2 billion in healthcare cost. This is according to a study by IZA Institute of Labor Economics. Hmm, There's, that, that, that doesn't suggest anything nefarious that maybe they're trying to lead somewhere. Anyway, the article goes on the analysis tracked anonymizing anonymized sorry cell phone data from the 10-day event that showed smartphone pings from non-residents and foot traffic at restaurants and bars, retail establishments, entertainment venues, hotels and campgrounds each rose substantially. Stay-at-home hours for local residents fell during the same time period. So, here, based on the increase in case count, the researchers group estimated, key word here, estimated, that cases connected to the gathering resulted in $12 billion in public health costs, not including the costs associated with any deaths that might be tied to cases from the event. That dollar amount is based on another estimation that an average of $46,000 is spent on each patient who tests positive for COVID-19. So you see what they did right there? They're going off an average that it that is spent on each patient. You know, we've seen stories that if a person is listed with COVID-19, they get more money from insurance. So right there, it starts to break down. Right there, you're starting to see how this, this number that came up, this $12 billion number, is bogus. It's worthless. From the article, researchers concluded that more than 2,266,000 2, cases were tied to the event attended by more than 460,000 individuals. So they're trying to tell you that of the 460,000 there, it doesn't mean that those 266,000 of them became infected. It means that they've infected people from around wherever area they went back home to that are more than half of the people that were actually there. <clears throat> health officials have linked at least one death 
to the rally, a male biker in his 60s with underlying conditions, one death. And they're estimating this cost $12 billion. And they're saying this was a super spreader event. One death. And he had underlying conditions, meaning he had something else. And when he caught the coronavirus, it exasperated it and he died. At least 260 cases in 11 states have been officially connected to the rally by government officials. And government officials are always right. The annual event ran from 716 and drew more than 365,000 vehicles, according to the South Dakota Department of Transportation. So what they're trying to tell you is that this was a super spreader event. It resulted in one death. One death. And it was a super spreader event. And then they're trying to tell you that it resulted in a cost of $12.2 billion because on average, $46,000 is spent on each patient who tested positive. So of those 266,000 cases that they've traced it all together, let's say somebody at the event went home and infected five people. That's what they're suggesting. That's where that 266,000 comes from. Each one of those is going to cost an average of $46,000. So all 266,000 of them. It, it couldn't be a case where people were tested. Maybe, you know, I don't know how much tests are and they tested positive, but they have no symptoms. But no, according to this, according to the Hill, all 266,000 cases that they tied, that the researchers tied to the Sturgis motorcycle event, all of them cost $46,000 each. One death. You see what the media does here? Total bogus. And then this story. Doctors lay out plan to punish people who refuse coronavirus vaccine. There is no alternative. They're laying out plans to punish you if you do not get the coronavirus. This is from USA Today. Here's the headline. Defeat COVID-19 by requir requiring vaccination for all. It's not un-American. It's patriotic. Requiring vaccination. It's not un-American. See, you're not a patriot if you don't want to get vaccinated. In fact, you're un-American if you don't want to get vaccinated. They're telling you getting re requiring vaccination vaccination is not un-American, but not getting vaccinated is un-American. It's not patriotic. So listen to this. To win the war against the novel coronavirus that has killed nearly 163,000 people, that was according to this when this was reported, I guess, in this country, the only answer is compulsory vaccination for all of us. And while the measures that will be necessary to defeat the coronavirus will seem draconian, even anti-American to some, we believe that there is no alternative. Simply put, getting vaccinated is going to be our patriotic duty. And who, who is simply putting this? Who, who's telling us this? Dr. Michael Lederman, Maxwell J. Melman, and Dr. Stuart Younger. Let's jump to the bottom of who these people are. Where, who, who are these doctors? Dr. Michael Lattermanis, professor of medicine at the Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine. Maxwell J. Melman is professor of law at Case Western Reserve University School of Law. Dr. Stuart Younger is professor of 
bioethics of the Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine. They're professors, they're academia. They're telling you that if you don't get vaccinated, you're un-American. And they're telling you that if the, the government mandates that you get vaccinated, you don't have a choice, that's not un-American, that's patriotic. Getting vaccinated is going to be our patriotic duty, it says. While the measures will that will be necessary to defeat, defeat coronavirus will seem draconian, getting vaccinated is our patriotic duty. The reason, this is how they justify this, when an effective vaccine is available for COVID-19, it will only defeat the pandemic if it is widely used, creating herd immunity. It is important to note that during an epidemic, there is no threshold above which the protection conferred by herd immunity cannot be improved. Thus, the more people who are immunized, the lower the risk for all of us, including those who are not vaccinated. Nor is there an alternative to vax vaccine-induced herd immunity in a pandemic. Relying on enough people becoming infected and then immune is dangerous as exemplified by the Swedish experience where the COVID-19 mortality rate exceeds that of its more cautious neighbors. Broad indication or broad induction of immunity in the population by immunization will be necessary to end this pandemic. In simple terms, a refusal to be vaccinated threatens the lives of others. So they're telling you herd immunity, which is how we are going to get rid of this. People are just going to have to get sick and get better. Let our immune system fight this. They're saying, no, 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 not that way. We're going to vaccinate people and then herd immunity can happen. And it'll happen quicker with less disastrous results. They don't know that. Now, this is the best part. How are they going to do that? It's unconstitutional. So it's disincentives for noncompliance. That's, the, the, that's what it says right here. Disincentives for noncompliance. Here's what America must do when a vaccine is ready. Make vaccine vaccinations free and easily accessible. Exempt only those with medical contradictions to immu immunization. It is likely that more than one vaccine platform will prove effective, as was the case for polio vaccine. And as a result, medical conditions that prohibit all COVID-19 vaccines will be rare. Do not honor religious objections. The major religions do not officially oppose vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Do not allow objections for personal preference, which violate the social contract. You read that, or you heard that right. Violate the social contract. What social contract? I've signed no social contract. Have you signed a social contract? Do not allow this. Do not allow objections for personal preference. So they're going to create a vaccine. I don't know anything about it. They're going to want to put it in my body. And I'm supposed to just go, okay. Yeah, sure. I may never catch the virus. I may be uh, asymptomatic. I mean, I mean, I have any signs, but darn it, they know what's best for me. <clears throat> How can government and society ensure compliance with protective vaccines? So there's more, by the way. There's more of the disincentives for noncompliance. Uh, vaccine refusers could lose tax credits or be denied non-essential government benefits. Health insurers could levy higher premiums for those who, by refusing immunization, place themselves and others at risk, as is the case for smokers. Private businesses could refuse to employ or serve unvaccinated individuals. Schools and could refuse to allow unimmunized un children to attend classes. 
Public and commercial transit companies, airlines, trains, and buses could exclude refusers. Public and private auditoriums could require evidence of immunization for entry. That's what these three professors want to happen in our country. If you don't get the vaccine, you're un-American. If you don't get the vaccine, you're not patriotic. And if you don't get the vaccine, we're going to hurt you economically. We're going to hurt you socially. We're going we're gonna to take away your job. We're going to prevent you from going into certain venues. Because they believe the only, the only way for this all to end is forced vac- vaccination. So the article goes on. The only legal limit on government or private action is that it not be discriminatory. And it's hard to see how discrimination would occur if vaccinations were free and accessible to all. But let's get this last part. I mean, <laughs> this just mind boggling. This is America. They're talking about these are Americans telling you this, that this is what they these are professors in American universities saying this. The last t- the last uh, section is titled immunization certification cards. How then should immunization be documented? A registry of immunization will be needed with names entered after immunization is completed. Adequate immunization may require more than a single vaccination, and the durability of protection by different vaccines may vary and may require periodic booster immunization. So it's not just be one time. They're going to come at you again and again. You may need it because you're going to be in the system. Thus, immunization persons will need to receive expiration date stamped certification cards which should be issued to all who are immunized in the country, whether here legally or not. Hey, that's one way to round up illegals. (laughs) But you know that's not going to happen. The last paragraph here, these measures, or actually not the last, uh, these measures might seem draconian. They do and would be costly. They are. But ensuring universal vaccination is a negligible sacrifice compared with the cost, deaths, and social upheaval that a sustained pandemic is having in our country. Uh, They go on. We acknowledge that the refusal to obey rules one considers unjust is an American tradition. But another cornerstone of the American tradition is that we come together when necessary. And they use World War I and II as an example of us coming together. And they even throw out conscientious objectors. They go, true, conscientious objectors could refuse to use a weapon for religious reasons, but they were obligated to help out in other ways. You won't have a choice. And then, then you'll be carrying papers. So there'll be someone saying, papers, please, to prove you've been immunized. And if you don't have your papers, you may not be able to get into that movie you want to go see. If you don't have your papers, you may get a hike in your insurance premium. And if you don't have papers, you may lose your job. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on Election Day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address Make sure that you vote and vote informed. Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. But now, now, they want to do all of that. 
These are the experts, remember? We're supposed to follow the experts. We're supposed to listen to the experts. How about this? How about this headline? The 1% blunder, how a simple but fatal math mistake by US COVID-19 experts caused the world to panic and order lockdowns. This is from uh, RT News. How, how a simple but fatal math mistake by U.S. COVID-19 experts caused the world to panic and order lockdowns. Uh, Malcolm Kendrick wrote this, doctor, uh, general practitioner in the National Health Service in England. So this is out of the U.K., uh, from the article, in February, U.S. COVID guru Anthony Fauci predicted the virus was akin to a severe flu and would therefore kill around 0.1% of the people. Then fatally, that then fatality rate predictions were somehow mixed up to make it look 10 times worse. So originally, Fauci said it looks like it's going to be like a killer flu and about 0.1%. Okay, that's that's, you know worldwide that's still a lot of people right but it's like a traditional flu so the article goes on when you strip everything else out the reason for the lockdown comes from a single figure one percent this was a prediction that covid if left unchecked would kill around one percent of us now you may not think one percent is enormous again i'm reading from the article but one percent of the population of the world is 70 million people a lot of people it would mean 3.2 million americans and 670,000 Britons. But where did this 1% figure come from? You may find this hard to believe, but this figure emerged by mistake. A pretty major thing to make a mistake about, but that's what happened. So it said, the article goes on to um, justify the mistake, not justify it, but kind of explain how a mistake could happen, why. And it uses the analogy of the 1998 uh, NASA Mars Climate Orbiter, where the scientists made a fatal error, a mathematical error, and the orbiter um, hit Mars at around 5,000 miles per hour, exploding into tiny fragments. So it's saying that the experts get it wrong sometimes, and we know that, right? I mean, who wouldn't know that experts get things wrong? I mean, that's, what, that's one of the problems with follow the experts, listen to the experts. Well, what if they got it wrong? I mean, NASA got it wrong. It was rocket science. Pretty smart guys and girls, I'm sure. So let's talk about what the article gets into with COVID. So it gave you the analogy of the Mars rover, right? They made a, 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 a mistake of converting pound seconds into Newton seconds. Yeah, I don't know what they are either. And it goes on to explain it, but that's not the point. The point is with COVID, a similar mistake happened. This is from the article. One type of fatality rate was substituted for another. The wrong rate was then used to predict the likely death rate. And as with NASA, no one picked up the error. You buying that? I don't know. In order to understand what happened, you have to understand the difference between two medical terms that sound the same but are completely different, rather like the pound second and a newton second. So which, which fatality rate did you say? First, there's the infection fatality rate. This is the total number of people who are infected by a disease and the number of them who die. This figure includes those who have no symptoms at all or only very mild symptoms, those who stay at home, coughed a bit, and watched uh, Netflix or something, right? Then there's the case fatality rate. This is the number of people suffering serious symptoms who are probably ill enough to be in the hospital. Clearly, people who are seriously ill, the cases are going to have a higher mortality rate than those who are just infected. 
So you got infected and you got cases. Infected, it's like feel like the flu. It's not serious. You don't go to the hospital. Some cases you don't even know you're infected. Whereas the case fatality rate, CFR versus the IFR, infected fatality rate, you, you're sick. You're seriously sick. You go to the hospital. So which means that the CFR rate will always be higher than the IFR rate, which with influenza, the CFR is around 10 times as high as IFR, the case versus infection. COVID seems to have a similar proportion. Now, clearly, you don't want to get these figures mixed up. By doing so, you would either wildly overestimate or wildly underestimate. You see where this is going? The impact of COVID, <clears throat> but mix these figures up. They did. From the article, the error started in America, but don't, don't, it didn't end there. In healthcare, the U.S. is very much the dog that wags the tail. So people follow what we do, the CDC specifically, right? Figures they come up with and are used globally. On February 28, 2020, an editorial was released by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Published in New England Journal of Medicine, the editorial stated the overall clinical consequences of COVID-19 may ultimately be more akin to those of a severe seasonal influenza. They added that influenza has a CFR cases of approximately 0.1%. One person in a thousand who get it badly dies. But that quoted CFR for influenza was 10 times too low. They meant to say the IFR, the infection fatality rate for influenza was 0.1%. That was their fatal error mistake. The mistake was compound. On March 11th, the same experts testified to Congress stating the COVID CFR was likely to produce about 1%. So one person dying from 100 fell seriously ill, which as time passed has proved to be pretty accurate. So what they did is instead of saying the IFR rate was 1%, that's the infection rate. Remember, these people who got it maybe not even know they got it. That's 1%. And the CFR rate is 0.1%. They said the CFR rate was 1% and the IFR rate was 0.1%. Now, if they'd gotten those numbers right, it's about where we are with COVID. Because the CFR rate <clears throat> with its inc incorrect uh, number, suddenly COVID was going to be 10 times as deadly. This is what the politicians got. And by the way, I may have just conflated that. I may have just twisted it around. And maybe the CFR rate should have been 0.1 and IFR rate 1%. But they got them backward. Either or. They got it backward. And <clears throat> with the, the cases, which are more severe being 1%, that means we're talking 70 million people projected to die with this. Now, CFR rate should have been 0.1%. IFR rate is 1%. The infectious rate at 1%, 70 million people infected, but only 0.1% die. And now all of a sudden, you're in the same numbers for the flu. So what they said when this, this mix-up, it said that if influenza killed 50, COVID was likely to kill 500. If influenza killed a million, COVID was going to get 10 million. So the article goes on, no wonder Congress, then the world panicked because they were told COVID was going to be 10 times worse than influenza. They could see 3 million deaths in the U.S. alone and 70 million around the world. Well, the article goes on to say, I don't expect you or I to get this sort of thing right, but I, but, and this is a Brit, I bloody well expect the experts to do so. They didn't. They got their IFR and their CFR mixed up and multiplied the likely impact of COVID by a factor of 10.
I'll put this one in the show notes. You can read this article. But if this is true, we've been had. Now, the article mentions and says this was a mistake. They And they use the NASA analogy to show how smart people make mistakes. And they do. This is why you never listen to the expert without verifying it yourself. Never just blindly listen to the experts. You got to do your own research and you got to look at the stats yourself and common sense. But if this is true, we've been had. I'm not so sure. I mean, I don't know the motivation to purposely make this mistake. So I'm not going to be a conspiracy theorist here and say they did it on purpose. There are people that are going to, and I've already seen it online uh, after debating and reading this article, but I'm not going there. I just don't know because I don't know what was in it for them. Why would they want to shut it down? Now, uh, my email address is the pblpodcast at gmail.com. If you know, please email me. Again, the pblpodcast at gmail.com. I know some will say it's because the government wanted control, but if the government was had, if the government saw these numbers, government officials, say Trump, if he saw these numbers, he would, and he panicked, he would say, well, gosh, we don't want to have 3.2 million people dead, you know, what do we need to do? And then the experts tell him what he needs to do, and you shut it down to minimize the deaths. And now we've got all these issues with coronavirus deaths are tied with other deaths. You know, of the 180,000 or so roundabout that have died uh, with coronavirus on the death certificate, only about 10,000 or so died just of coronavirus. All the rest had other underlying conditions on average, 2.6 other underlying conditions. I like the Sex Pistols. Some of you may not know who that is. It's an English punk band out of the 70s. Johnny Rotten, who's a lead singer, and their very last show, and it ended on stage, looked at the audience, kneeled down, and asked, you ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Yeah. Yeah, Johnny. I get that feeling. So if that doesn't boil your blood, uh, you know, I don't know what does. I'm going to have this in the show notes. These, All these articles, these three articles I just mentioned with COVID-19. Uh, and it just, you know, the media is out of control with this. They follow any any expert they want to follow, discount any expert they don't. All right, one last story before I wrap this up. Um, new Oscars standard by, say, best picture contenders must be inclusive to compete. Yeah, yeah, let me read that headline again. New Oscars standards say best picture contenders must be inclusive to compete. Starting in 2024, the Oscar criteria for best picture only, just best picture, it's got to be inclusive. So it's got to have LGBT, it's got to have minority, it's got to have, I don't know, an Eskimo. It's, I mean, it's got to have a Brazilian beetle bug, I, but it's got to be politically correct. So if you didn't have a reason not to watch the Oscars, there's another one for you because if you can make the best picture in the world and it ain't going to get Oscar nominated. 2019-17 was uh, last year. I, I don't think it won, but was nominated. Wouldn't happen today. So war movies of World War II, World War One, they won't be in consideration because it's going to be, well, I guess they can throw in that an Indian code reader and maybe that will put it up for contention. But if it's an all-white cast, forget about it ain't going to be put up for Oscar contention for best picture. Maybe they'll create another category. Maybe they'll create a category for, you know, non-inclusive picture of the year. 
I used to watch the Oscars every year. I, I, I don't, there's no reason. There hadn't been a reason to watch the Oscars for a while. Uh, but that's just more lunacy in our already lunatic system and society. Hey, thanks for listening to this segment of the PBO podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope uh, you got something out of that. Again, those articles are in the show notes, so you can go look at them yourself because you want to do your own research. Don't rely on anybody except yourself in understanding events and things happening in our society, in our government, uh, in our world. You got to do your own research and you got to dig in. Don't let the the politicians and the media do what the left allows them to be had all the time by letting their emotion get sucked in and not thinking for yourself. Thanks for listening to this episode of the PBL podcast, politics and brown liquor. Again, please be sure to like, follow, share, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever platform it is that you're listening to. It'll help us move up in the algorithms and visit our website at the PBL podcast. Dot com and you can click all our social media links there. Click on our YouTube link. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Working on putting out videos in the near future. In the meantime, I put my TikTok videos there so you don't have to have the Chinese spy on you. can see what I'm doing on TikTok. It's getting over a million views a month on TikTok right now. Hey, my world, that's a lot. Anyway, again, thanks for listening. Have a great day.